0: Welcome back to the program. How many of you have ever left the house, gotten halfway to your destination, and were convinced that you left the oven on or left the door open, even though the rational side of you knew that you had not? The more you tried to think about it, the more you became obsessed, until you had no choice but to turn back, go home, and find out that, yes, the oven was off and the door was closed. Then imagine this kind of obsession impacting every aspect of your life, turned on 24-7, often about the very same issues. That gives you just a glimpse of what it's like for someone with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. My guest, science journalist David Adam, has been dealing with OCD, our fourth most common mental disorder since he was a young student. In his book, The Man Who Couldn't Stop, he gives us a glimpse of the illness, its causes, and treatments. David Adam is a writer and editor at Nature. Before that, he was a special correspondent for The Guardian, writing on science, medicine, and the environment. It is my pleasure to welcome David Adam to the program to talk about The Man Who Couldn't Stop, OCD, and the true story of a life lost in thought. David, thanks so much for joining us. Hello, thank you. What a terrific introduction. Thank you. Delight to have you here. When did you first realize that that something was wrong, that you had some kind of disorder, even if you didn't understand it at first, but that something was going on?
1: Um, I can trace it to almost the exact minute um, of a specific day because it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was 19. It was the summer of 1991. I was on holiday from college, staying at my parents' house, I'd been out with some friends. I was walking back late at night when this thought just hit me that, that I could have HIV. And as I say in, in the book, it was so out of place. It was so irrational that it it felt or it seemed to be as if a, a snowflake had fallen from out of the, the summer sky. Um, and that was the beginning of it. Pretty soon there was a blizzard of these thoughts.
0: We all have experienced this idea of intrusive thoughts or random thoughts. They happen, we deal with them, they go away. Sometimes they come back again, sometimes they don't. Talk about this thought, this fear that you had, and how it started to replay itself over and over again for you. So I I know
1: now, but I didn't know then, that actually OCD around what you describe as intrusive thoughts about HIV, so just very exaggerated fears irrational fears um, were very common at the time Uh, in the 1980s in fact something like a third of OCD patients in the United States had incorporated HIV and AIDS into their obsessions and compulsions Um, and I think it's no it's no secret that how that happened you know I grew up in the 80s HIV and AIDS was the big fear that stalked public consciousness There was lots of um, adverts, warning us of the dangers, Um, and so it definitely became almost a a cultural bogeyman. Um, So these thoughts came to me um, as they come, I think, to some people, sorry, to to most people at some time, but instead of them just going away, instead of me being able to say, oh, isn't that silly, and just getting on with my life, for some reason, it stuck, it resonated, Um, and... When that happens, it's a very, very distressing, disturbing experience because we're so used to our thoughts being under our own control. You know, we get to steer them, we get to shape them, and we get to move them around. So when you have a thought which you can't make go away, and yet you know that it has no place in your head, um, it's a very difficult experience. And that is why um, lots and lots of people with OCD, as a response to that sort of thought which is stuck, they develop the rituals, the the compulsive behaviors, because that is is a way to at least temporarily relieve some of the anxiety.
0: Is OCD generally something that is randomized in that the, the obsession, the compulsion is about a whole range of things at any particular time, or is it more like your situation where it tends to focus on one very specific area?
1: I think it does tend to focus on one very specific area at a time. Um, But in my case, it has been HIV for 25 years. Um, But in some people, the focus of the obsession does change. Um, So weirdly, even though I have this terrible um, obsessional fear of HIV, I don't particularly worry about cancer or indeed any other blood-borne illness. Um, Whereas some people have a more generic fear of, of illness, or um of contamination and when you ask them what it is that they're frightened that they will get contaminated with they can't always explain what it is in specific terms it's just as of a vague sense of, of uneasiness um and some people they can have um say a, a topic that they're obsessed about for years and then almost overnight it changes and goes from one thing to something else and so the although the obsessional thought has completely changed, almost their their behavior, their compulsions have not changed at all.
0: Is it something that is triggered by any external event, distress or anxiety over a particular situation, trigger it, or is it something that is pretty consistent and prevalent all the time? It's a good question. I think
1: once you have OCD, then I think there are certain... Um, Circumstances under which you can feel it more acutely. Um, and I guess that's the same with some other mental illnesses as well. So, you know, if you're tired, if you're a bit anxious about something else, if you're a bit stressed, if you're um, hungover, um, then you can, it can hit you harder. Um, but the, the difference between, you know, it, it fluctuating is, is not that great really compared to the difference in just having it compared to not having it.
0: How do doctors define OCD? Talk a little bit about that, because as it as it's laid out in the DSM, it's changed also over the past many years.
1: Yeah, so so there's there hasn't really changed the way that people recognize the disorder. So um obsessions are intrusive thoughts which um stick around and cause anxiety and are unpleasant compulsions are the repetitive behaviors uh which are adopted to deal with those thoughts and when and and those two sort of feed each other you get locked into this cycle which pretty quickly can take you to a point where it has a significant impact on your life and so that's the that's the disorder um now what's changed with the DSM is the way that they categorize that in relation to other mental disorders so Traditionally, OCD has been classed as an anxiety disorder, and it's now not classed as an anxiety disorder. It's been placed in a new um, spectrum, uh, a a new category, which is a spectrum of conditions, um, of which OCD is one. But then there are a number of others which are linked by either obsessive thoughts or compulsive, impulsive behaviors. So, for example, um, Tourette's syndrome, which is... Um, nothing to do with obsessive thoughts, but it is this um, inability not to perform certain um, you know, verbal and physical tics.
0: And what was the reason for that, at least within the community that put together the, the latest version of DSM?
1: I, th- I think that's a good question. I think that there has become growing awareness over the last few years that it is possible to link these conditions in that way. And this is um, partly down to they find that similar treatments seem to help these people. So from the fact that the similar, say, for example, drug therapies seem to help people with OCD and with, let's say, um, hoarding disorder or compulsive skin picking, then they sort of work backwards and say, well, if the treatment is the same, maybe the cause of the illness is the same. And if we, if we group these illnesses together, then maybe we can start to study them together and to try and work out the links between them.
0: To what extent are there medical and pathological underpinnings to this as, as opposed to it just being a mental illness?
1: Well, I'm, I'm not sure there is a distinction between the two. I think it comes down to your sort of attitude to to the mind and the brain I suppose I mean I'm a scientist so as far as I'm concerned everything has a biological basis you know it's even psychological illnesses have a biological basis because that's what we are we are biology you know I don't believe that we have a a soul or anything like that which could be um, affected separately from the nuts and bolts and chemicals and electricity that's going on in my head which ultimately is, is biological To be a bit more pragmatic about it, I think there are um, neuroscientific explanations for OCD. And that could be misfiring circuitry in the brain, the part of the brain that is involved with um, perhaps uh, recognizing and responding to danger. Maybe something goes wrong in that circuitry, so we can't switch the alarm signal off. other people have taken a more sort of psychological interpretation and have said that actually what seems to go wrong is the way that some people interpret and respond to these intrusive thoughts, which we know that almost everybody has. So what is it about the way that I think compared to the way that somebody else thinks that makes those thoughts stick around in my head and not in theirs?
0: Are we seeing more cases today... And if so, why do we think that is?
1: I'm not sure we're seeing any more today. I think in the 80s and 90s there was um, some much better estimates, and, and, and that came up with the the idea that roughly about one in forty, one in forty four zero people um, have OCD. Um, in the sort of before then, 60s, 70s, earlier, I think it was thought to be much much rarer. Um, so I think the, the incidence of it is, is pretty stable now. I think people think between about 2 and 3% of the population have it. Um, although the number of people who report to doctor's surgeries um, with OCD seems to be less than that. So the most likely explanation is that people with OCD just
0: are not seeking help. We do know that there is a hereditary component to it, though.
1: Yes, we do. Um, we know that, um, crudely speaking, if, you, if a member of your family has OCD, you're much more likely to get it. Um, what we don't know is whether that is down to genetics um, or whether it is down to a shared environment. Um, so, you know, a, a parent who is very anxious about germs and goes to certain lengths to try and avoid them, would, would, you could see why that might... Pass on that kind of trait or that thinking to their child, but that's not that's not a genetic um, transference. Um, as with most of these things, the answer is probably that it's that it's a bit of both.
0: One of the things that that we see, particularly in so many of the stories that you tell, and the man who couldn't stop, is is the wide range of symptoms that really lay themselves out. Yours, in particular, was focused on this fear of HIV. But yet, the fears that people have, the concerns they have, the obsessions they have, really cover a very broad spectrum. Talk about that, and also whether or not there is a a rubric, a range of themes that that some of these things fall into.
1: So, yeah, so I I say that the the number of obsessions is limited only by the human imagination. I mean, you, you you can think of anything, you know, literally in your head. Um, however implausible however impossible and those thoughts can all get stuck so there are people who um, become obsessed about because they they just have strange thoughts about there was a girl I describe in the book who lived in Ethiopia who had very strange intrusive distressing thoughts of of the mud wall that was in her house and to to counter those thoughts she found that she had to eat the wall Um, there are other people who have um, there was, there, there was a, a, a guy in the 60s in the UK who he could only park his car next to a specific type of Ford that they, that they ended up stopping making in the UK. So after a while, he couldn't find anywhere to park. You know he was, he was compelled to park next to this particular model, which he couldn't find anymore, so he ended up giving up driving. So, so pretty much... Anything can be turned into an obsession. But having said that, you're right, they do tend to cluster around certain themes. Um, so a very common one is contamination, is germs. Another one is, is a fear of, of harm, either to yourself or to other people. Um, depending on the culture, there are lots of um, obsessions along religious lines. So people who feel... That they are having blasphemous thoughts, or they have doubts about whether they truly are as um, devout as they would want to be, and then there are obsessions about um, symmetry, you know, needing to have things that are just just right. Um, some obsessions are around um, sex and uh, sexual desire. Um, some obsessions are around identity. So um, a, a relatively common one is people who are who are straight have. Um, obsessional thoughts that they might be homosexual, or indeed people who are homosexual have intrusive thoughts that they might be straight, which clearly causes them great distress if they're with a if, if they're in a happy relationship, which often they are.
0: If we look at these themes then, does it give us any insight into the disease itself? Does it help us understand it in some greater way? Oh, that's a good question. I think,
1: I mean psychologists would say that it comes down to Responsibility for harm. It's about... Um, it's a bit like... I don't know if you guys over there... I mean, we have um, what we call you know, nits, ha- ha- hair lice. Mm-hmm. And the, the the big thing about hair lice, of course, is that you say to the children who get hair lice, well, you know, they only go for clean hair. Well, it's a bit like these really bad thoughts only seem to cause problems in in very pure brains. You know, like the more... That the less likely you are to do something, almost the more likely that thought is to, is to resonate and to cause you distress. Um, and so I think, I think what we can say is that there are certain reactions which are common within certain groups of people, and that can help to explain how the OCD manifests itself. So we talked about responsibility, so maybe people with an inflated sense of responsibility are going to um, turn their OCD into one that is um, trying to prevent harm. Or some people are, are have a perfectionist sort of personality, and if they were to develop OCD, it might be along the lines of things having to be symmetrical. Um, so I think there, is, there, are some, there are some explanations, but those are largely just based on trying to interpret what we see rather than based on any, any sound biology.
0: And do those things then lead us into better understanding of how to treat it and talk about that in the context of the different treatments, the different approaches you personally have taken.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think they do. I think because all of that inference and knowledge then feeds into, into theories really of, of what it is, what OCD is and where it comes from. And those have changed wildly over the years as our understanding has has developed so a couple of hundred years ago um or or slightly longer ocd was thought to be or these certainly these intrusive thoughts was was thought to be the work of evil spirits and the devil and there are there are cases of people um being given exorcisms or even burned at the stake because people thought they were witches um then when when we started to think a bit more uh, medically um, Sigmund Freud argued that a lot of obsession was down to suppressed sexual thoughts Um, so there was a great and, and continues to be a, a great sort of industry developed around trying to get people to talk about their childhood with the idea that you could somehow unearth the causes of, of this sort of um, pathology um, then psychologists and um, behavioural psychologists after the war started to think it was all down to learned behavior. so someone with an obsession someone with an obsession had almost certainly encountered some kind of situation, some kind of environment which had made them react in this way. and so they would um, try and treat people um with what was called aversion therapy. so this would be almost like um getting people to um, perform the compulsion and then giving them electric shocks, you know to try and almost um, make them associate pain with this behavior, and so they would be less likely to do it. Um, It was only really in the 1980s when cognitive psychologists started to get a grip on this. And they came up with, um, I think, a a much more realistic model, which is based around interpretation of thoughts and an explanation for why a thought can get stuck in my head, but not not in yours. And that then led to a treatment which has been proven to be pretty successful with most people, um, which is called cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is around trying to challenge some of those patterns of thought. Um, which, so that is what most people get these days. And also, they quite often get a, quite a high dose of um, antidepressant drugs, so stuff like Prozac, which um, they're not quite sure why it works, but it does seem to help.
0: Talk about what's really changed the landscape for you. What are the things that have worked for you?
1: So I I, I had OCD for a long time until I sought proper help, um, which is quite a common experience. Um, so only in the last four or five years um, did I seek proper help and get proper help, and I was lucky in that I was able to see a specialist, a very good specialist. And, yeah, so that that's what I have. I have the combination of Um, antidepressant drugs. And I've had a course of um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which it doesn't cure it, but it gives me the tools to manage it.
0: Is there a link between OCD and any other kind of mental illness? Do we see links between it and anything else?
1: Yeah we do um, I and mean, certainly we talked about the grouping in the DSM yeah. so there are groups um, connected by um, obsessive thoughts or repetitive behaviours and um, there are also a lot of what's called a sort of um, comorbidity so people with OCD can also have schizophrenia or can also have depression um, so I think there is a there's an emerging idea that we should judge these conditions perhaps by the symptoms rather than by trying to to diagnose people into different what are what's called the cat category approach, which is basically say this person has o c d this person has schizophrenia, this person has bipolar disorder because you c- you can get people who have who have two of those, and it could be that actually they just have a a symptom which is which is um which both those conditions have in common, rather than having two separate conditions at the same time. So it's very much a live area. And of course, you can link in lots of different ways. So as I mentioned, the the people who are great believers in pharmacology and drug treatments are linking mental conditions according to how well patients do on a particular drug.
0: Even though it's been moved out of that category as far as the DSM is concerned, talk about the nexus with, with a generalized anxiety and generalized anxiety disorders and OCD.
1: Yeah, so so anxiety is a symptom of OCD rather than sort of the, the drive. I mean, if you, you could take away the anxiety in someone and they still have OCD, whereas you you can't take away the anxiety with someone. With an anxiety disorder, and leave them with the disorder. The anxiety is 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 the problem. Um, whereas in our problem, the anxiety is caused by the fact that we have these thoughts, and we when we perform the compulsions to try and relieve it. Um, but but it is quite difficult to draw firm lines between. So, for example, OCD or my obsessional fear of HIV can sound a bit like a phobia. Um, you know, people have phobias of things which lead to very exaggerated fears, but Usually, the phobia is dependent upon a stimulus. So someone who is arachnophobic, for example, scared of spiders, only, only really causes them a problem when there is a spider in the room. You know, someone with a fear of, of heights is okay as long as they don't go out onto a high bridge. Whereas OCD is about the thought. So I can just conjure up. A, a completely disconnected idea or, I'd, or, or thought in my mind, which then causes me the anxiety, which is a bit different to to phobia. But then clearly there are also some some similarities, and 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 you could make the case, I think, with lots of different mental illnesses that there are similarities. Right, I mean, eating disorders uh, are quite often characterised by very uh, irrational, intrusive thoughts about, about how someone looks, um, and you could even go as far as things like compulsive shopping and compulsive gambling are, 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 are characterized by an inability to stop doing something, which is also a feature of OCD.
0: Where is the contemporary research on this? What's being done to, to better and further understand some of the things we've been talking about?
1: So they do, um, obviously, with the last 10 or 15 years, we can now image the brain. So a lot of the research is being done on MRI scans. So you put people in one of these machines, you look at the way the blood moves around the brain, you get them to do certain tasks. And that gives you a, a sense of, of how the brain operates um, when we are doing certain things. And if you then compare normal people with people with OCD, you can start to see differences in the way that the brain seems to work. Now, it's, it's some way from that to being able to say what the problem is, but you can perhaps at least narrow it down to a few regions. Um, other people are looking at genetics, so they are trying to look for genes or, or variations in genes that people might have in, uh, in common. You know, people with OCD, if they have very similar genetic markers, that might help to explain where it comes from, and it could even suggest a way of trying to treat it. Um, We haven't really got that far yet with with the genetics. It doesn't seem to be particularly clear cut. And other people are looking in in animals. I mean, you can make a case that some animals show um, compulsive behavior, um, and people have have, um, essentially made mice, for example, that show OCD symptoms, and then they can treat those mice. And make those symptoms go away. Um, and then there is the whole side of we're learning a lot more about sort of the, the cognitive problems of O.C.E. just just through talking and monitoring and, and watching patients and how they respond to treatment. So you can then take the treatment that is already there, which is this C.B.T., and you can try and optimise it. Um, but, but crudely, I, I think. There is a half-decent treatment out there, and and the biggest gains would be made by improving access to that treatment rather than desperately hoping that we're going to find a, a new treatment anytime soon.
0: David Adam, the book is The Man Who Couldn't Stop, OCD and the True Story of a Life Lost in Thought. David, I thank you so much for spending time with us today.